quick content warning. The subject of today's episode revolves around a violent incident from the 1800s, and it resulted in the death of a child. And the description is a little bit graphic, so listener discretion is advised. Hello, I'm Quinn Lovecraft, and this is 31, a podcast where I talk about clowns again. Today, I bring you a story about how a clown turned a boy into soap. Kind of. If you listened to the episode about the Clown Motel, then you knew this was coming. Here is, somehow, our second story involving clowns in Gold Rush-era California. Newspapers from mid-19th century San Francisco and the surrounding area paint a vivid picture of settlers constantly trying to make order from chaos. People are looking for their loved ones and co-workers who set out for the mines. A year ago. People die by falling in the mines. Ships come in. Ships explode. 159 Chinese immigrants are arrested because they might be part of a secret society? Or they might be Christians? Or they might be revolutionaries? A holier-than-thou actor rants about how too many non-actors are leaving their jobs to become bad actors. There's a proposal for how to handle runaway slaves. A man is sent to prison for stealing two hams. 1854 was wild. And that's all from one week in January. But the clipping that concerns us today is from the paper The Daily Alta, and it reads as follows. Fatal Play There was a small Spanish theatrical representation last evening in Stockton Street, where a Mexican named Manuel Reyes, supposed to be somewhat affected mentally, took up William Bernard, a candy and peanut peddling boy, by the feet, and swung him round several times. The blood rushed to the head of the boy, a blood vessel burst internally, the blood rushed from his mouth, and he died in a short time after being taken to the hospital. Reyes was arrested. Now this is unquestionably very strange, and I should mention that it's possible that cold hard facts weren't the biggest concern for the Daily Alta. After all, I did come across one edition published on November 31st. But we can trace what happened to William and Manuel through articles in the old papers. Let's start with William Bernard. The incident where William was swung around by his heels happened on the evening of January 10th, 1854. A coroner's inquest occurred on January 11th, the following day. We know this because of a January 13th article that clipped from Evening News on the previous Wednesday, the 11th, so that timeline matches. And that inquest states, The coroner held an inquest today upon the body of William Bernard, the boy who was injured last night at the Pacific Street Circus by the clown swinging him around. A post-mortem examination was held upon the body, the result of which proved to be that death was caused by a rupture of the left pulmonary artery. The coroner's jury returned a verdict of death being produced by accident. He was a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and was about 13 years of age. I am not a medical professional, but from what I can tell, it looks like a pulmonary artery can burst, but it usually does so from a pre-existing condition. So when they say that this was an accident, I really do think that the clown didn't have malicious intent. At least he did not intend to kill William Bernard. In fact, we have no idea if William was like, oh yeah, that sounds fun, swing me by my feet. It's very likely that William had a pre-existing heart condition. It could have been from some other disease. It could have been from birth, but that condition caused the pulmonary artery to rupture, and that's in your heart when he was engaging in this reckless activity. 
Um, you hear about it sometimes happening on roller coasters, for example. Somebody will go on one, they don't know they have a heart condition, and then by the end of the ride, um, they've passed away because their heart has burst. It's really tragic and really unfortunate, but I do think it's important to note this moving forward because as bizarre and strange as this case is, I do not believe we are talking about a maliciously murderous clown. Also, the details in this report about the inquest are a little different from the first details we heard. First, they called it a Spanish theatrical representation, but now they're calling it a circus. The first article said it was on Stockton, but now they're saying it's on Pacific Street. Although actually that mix-up kind of helps us pinpoint where this happened, because there are roads called Pacific and Stockton in Stockton, California, which is actually just east of San Francisco and a little bit south of Sacramento, so it may not have taken place in San Francisco proper. And we'll learn why Stockton, California is actually pretty important later. Also, this inquest report identifies Manuel Reyes as a clown whereas before he was only known by his nationality and was not immediately identified as being a part of the Spanish circus. But it does appear that these details are more reliable as they're the ones more consistently reported. Like in the subsequent record of William's death, although oddly that record calls him William Snyder. And I'm not really sure why. I couldn't find out too much about him, so definitely not why he was called William Bernard a couple times and then William Snyder here. But I don't think it's because there were two Williams killed the same way by a clown at the same time. I think it's more to do with last names being a little less straightforward back then than they are today. And also, this was a child who had traveled across the country for unknown reasons and become a peanut peddler. So maybe he was an orphan, and maybe he was taken in by a Bernard family. Maybe it was a middle name that he used for his new life. Or maybe he wanted to be a performer and he adopted a stage name. Like I said, we don't know anything about him besides how he died and what is stated in his death record, which is as follows. Snyder, William Born in Cincinnati, Ohio, died or buried January 11, 1854, aged 13 years, 6 months, killed by being swung around by the heels by a circus clown. Buried in Yerba Buena Cemetery, San Francisco, California, grave number 3240. Ah, Yerba Buena Cemetery. Okay, that is unfortunate, because Yerba Buena Cemetery's beginning and ending were equally fraught. It was not operational for very long, and it was not a place you would want your loved ones to be buried. But about seven to 8,000 people were buried there. So Yerba Buena started as a burial site in 1850, when it became clear that the North Beach Cemetery was no longer sufficient. North Beach had been filling up with the sudden influx of settlers who were finding new and creative ways to pass away all the time. And then the harsh winter from 1849 into 1850 brought so many deaths that in March, people started calling for a new burial site. And it wasn't just that the cemetery was packed. They started noticing that burials in North Beach had gotten sloppy and haphazard. Improper burials were cause for alarm not only because it was highly disrespectful to the dead, but because burying bodies also helps bury the diseases that they might carry, so you don't want them to be exposed, and they were starting to be pretty exposed in North Beach. So in 1850, the bodies were moved to Yerba Buena. But if you're thinking, wait, it sounds like location wasn't the issue here. Yeah, you're, you're correct. So without better burial practices in place and enforced, the move to Yerba Buena solved nothing. 
In fact, the reburial was done really hastily. They just kind of loaded the bodies onto a cart and brought them over. And they did put them in new coffins, which was good. But they just used the old coffins for firewood. And then Yerba Buena, as new people were interred, it began to exhibit the same issues. The graves filled up fast, bodies were not being buried well, and many of them went missing. Now, at the time, bodies going missing from a cemetery was not quite as strange as it would be today. Usually, people suspected medical students were stealing the bodies so that they could learn more about human anatomy. And that was not just like a San Francisco thing. In fact, in the 1780s, there had been a New York doctor's riot, which was one of many anatomy riots across the country. And those happened when the public, especially the poor, started to protest against medical professionals who they believed were stealing bodies, especially bodies of poor people, from graves in the name of their medical practice. And they were right, this was definitely happening and had been happening for a while. It was mostly ignored, though, as long as the bodies stolen were of poor African-Americans, and it was only when white people started getting stolen did people really start to protest. And this was an even scummier carryover from the practices in England, where they would use the bodies of criminals for dissecting and such. So yeah, many of the doctors of this era were undignified in their pursuit of knowledge, and this didn't stop just because of some riots in New York and elsewhere. Doctors and medical students claimed that you could only really learn about the body through dissecting one, a real body, and there was no legal way of obtaining a body, so what else were they supposed to do? Which I guess is a good question, but the answer isn't steal bodies from a graveyard. Okay, but here's what's unique about the missing bodies from Yerba Buena. And we know there are bodies missing because when Yerba Buena was shut down and the bodies were moved to Golden Gate Cemetery, people noticed they were about 2,000 bodies short. And not all 2,000 went to medical students. There were eyewitnesses who saw people raiding the graves for another reason. Because the bodies had turned into something else. Something useful. If you had to describe San Francisco in three words, like San Francisco today, one of them might be foggy. Which is as true today as it was back then. The soil in Yerba Buena was really moist. It's been described as spongy. And when a body is exposed to that much moisture in the decaying process, okay, let's do a quick and dirty anatomy slash chemistry lesson, and I promise I won't use a corpse to teach it. So we all have adipose, which is commonly known as body fat. Well, what happens when we slough off this mortal coil and our corpses are just left to hang out in the ground? Usually, like, decay, right? Everything breaks down. Proteins, things just break down. Well, if there's enough moisture in the environment, like in a foggy seaside environment, hydrolysis can take place. So basically, that moisture, the, the water, can encourage bacteria and enzymes to interact with the decomposing adipose in a way that will, instead of decaying, turn it into adipocere. Adipocere looks and feels a lot like wax. And it can be used as wax, but it can also be used as soap. So people would go into this moist graveyard and scrape adipocere off of the poorly buried bodies to turn into soap. William was not sent back to Cincinnati, and he was hawking snacks when he died. So I would guess that he was deemed indigent and not lovingly buried. 
Many graves were moved again from Golden Gate, so it's possible that any identifiers got lost along the way and he is just anonymously but still carefully buried. However, it is also very possible that this poor child, killed by a clown, became soap. How could something like that happen to someone? How could something like that happen to William? Who was this clown who cut his life short? And did anyone see it coming? Let's rewind to January 10th, 1854. Let's revisit Manuel Reyes and the circus on Pacific Street. The original clipping states that the circus was Spanish, but Manuel Reyes was Mexican. This makes sense because circuses from Europe did travel internationally at the time, and there was a Mexican population in the San Francisco area, so I bet Manuel Reyes gravitated towards a troupe that spoke the same language as him, especially because anti-Mexican sentiments weren't uncommon among English speakers. In fact, a hint about the cultural climate appears in the same paper as the mention of the incident. There's a whole article about how Mexico needs to be Americanized. I have reason to believe that Manuel was already living in either San Francisco or Stockton, that general area, given that he didn't seem to leave it even after his incident. So he was probably temporarily employed by this circus. There doesn't appear to be any record of the name of this circus, but I didn't expect there to be one. A big international Spanish circus would form shortly after this incident, but around this time, a lot of troops seemed to be just people collecting other talented people and traveling together. They probably called themselves something, but I don't think they were always like a big top production like we imagine today. Years later, in 1875, there was a mention of a Spanish circus in the Daily News, and it just states that the promenading of a Spanish circus was just the cheese for the boys. So I imagine even if these circuses or troops had names, they were just referred to as Spanish because that was all the English-speaking folks needed to know. It was, you know, like a novelty. And I won't get into the history of clowning too much here because I go into that more deeply in the episode Silent Neighbors of the Clown Motel. So please give that a listen. But essentially, clowns in this era didn't have to be birthday party child friendly. They were often more adult entertainment. They were supposed to be a bit wild and weird and risque. So those clippings indicate that Manuel Reyes did have some kind of history of mental illness prior to this, but if he was acting in any way peculiar just prior to his incident with William, it was probably seen as a benefit to the circus. They probably thought, oh, he's just being wacky as part of his act, and they hired him on the spot, having no idea that there was something more going on and he was about to take things too far. The coroner's inquest stated that the incident with William was deemed an accident. But Manuel Reyes would see the inside of a courthouse just a few years later. On December 7th, 1858, the Daily Alta ran this report. A queer acting culprit. In the police court yesterday, Manuel Reyes, a Mexican, exhibited strong symptoms of insanity. The fellow was brought up on a charge of assault and battery upon Officer Ochenbach. On standing up in the dock to answer the charge, he commenced slapping his face as though a swarm of mosquitoes were pestering him. He also amused the court by constantly muttering broken sentences. Judge Cohen rather suspected the man to be playing possum, but finally ordered him to be committed to prison and his case examined into by physicians. The complaining witnesses swore that he had been guilty of one or more murders here and in Mexico. Okay, while it does seem likely that Manuel Reyes did have some kind of mental illness going on, 
I want to point out some interesting context here. First, Manuel Reyes was with the Spanish circus, so I had suspected he spoke Spanish more fluently than English. Is it possible that his muttering was actually just speaking a language the judge didn't understand? And I know it was December, but it's San Francisco on the water. Maybe there were bugs buzzing around him. The other interesting thing is this complaining witness who swore Manuel Reyes had murdered before in America and in Mexico. I'm not sure who they're referring to. I'm guessing it's Officer Ochenbach. And if so, his word needs to be taken with a grain of salt. Because less than a year later, this report was published. Exceeding his authority, Special Officer Ochenbach was convicted of an assault and battery upon a poor Italian woman, whom he found wandering about the street as a mendicant, was fined $20. It's kind of funny that Ochenbach was the one assaulting someone else in another case just a few months later. And it sounds like Ochenbach is from maybe Scottish descent. The mention of the woman being Italian makes me wonder if this guy was just super racist against people who were of different cultures than him. But as far as we can tell, Manuel Reyes did kill William, even if unintentionally. So there's a chance that that's what Ochenbach was referring to by he killed someone here. We don't know where he got the thing about killing someone in Mexico, though. So in that little clipping about the trial, Reyes is sentenced to prison. But just three months later, we hear this in the paper. Manuel Reyes, lately engaged in a walking match at the museum, has been sent to Stockton as a lunatic. He is said to have killed two men and got clear on the plea of insanity. By the way, if you're wondering what a walking match is, I was too, and it turns out it's exactly what it sounds like. People competed against each other by walking from place to place. Stockton here, he's been sent to Stockton as a lunatic. That refers to not the city, but Stockton Asylum, which is also why I wonder if maybe the original incident did take place in Stockton. Even though there seems to be no record of him being at Stockton, Stockton Asylum opened up in, I think, 1850. So it's possible, especially if everybody knew that he was in an asylum before the circus, prior to the incident at the circus, because that, that was printed. Like, they even said, supposed to be somewhat affected mentally. Where did they get that information from? If he was released from Stockton Asylum prior to the circus incident, he probably was just hanging around that area. Around the pandemic in New York City, I remember, like, sort of by where Penn Station is on, like, 34th Street, a lot of those hotels were being used to house people who didn't have homes. And I don't remember too much about about that system or that process, but I remember it was like kind of chaotically done. I mean, everything was chaos during the pandemic. But if you went to that area, you would see a number of people who were affected by mental illness and had been living as homeless on the street because they had been put up in these places, but the places weren't always... I mean, there's this whole issue with homelessness, but I mean, a lot of it is that having a place to stay overnight doesn't address the mental illness that someone might be dealing with that sort of has them wandering on the street to begin with. And not always, but sometimes that's the case. And sometimes the accommodations don't actually accommodate for a person's needs. So then they end up not staying in those places, but just in the surrounding area. So I wonder if Reyes was discharged from the Stockton Asylum prior to the circus incident and then was in that area, got employment with the circus when it came through, 
Again, though, there's no record of him being in Stockton Asylum, and the asylum didn't open until 1850, so he really would have had to be there just prior to the circus incident. But it's it's just worth considering, and I, I think it's worth bringing up because we still see this happen today. Like I mentioned, I saw it happen just during the pandemic, where a building that's supposed to treat people kind of becomes this nexus around which people who are not properly treated there just end up circling. The other thing I was wondering about, when this article says that Manuel was sent to Stockton as a lunatic, it says he is said to have killed two men and got clear on the plea of insanity. I'm wondering when this happened. It sounds like the two things are actually unrelated because I could not find anything about him killing two men. And there's stuff later that implies that he did not kill two men between the time when he was sent to prison and when he was sent to Stockton. So I think that maybe three months prior to this, he actually wasn't sent to prison. He was just indeed looked into by that physician and the physician recommended he go to an asylum instead. I don't know why exactly there would be a three-month gap. But the papers seem to indicate an overabundance of criminals and criminal behavior and a lack of jail space. So maybe they were just like, okay, go wander off, we'll catch you in a bit. And it just took them a while to act on their decision. I think the thing about, like, he is said to have killed two men probably came from Auchenbach's testimony, which again, we don't know where that came from, except maybe it was talking about William. But William was a child, he wasn't a man. So there's some kind of game of telephone happening here. Okay, so he's sent to Stockton Asylum in 1859, and the records there indicate that he'd been in another unknown asylum around 1856, they say like three years ago, which would have been after William, but before the alleged assault on Officer Ochenbach. Could this unknown asylum have been Stockton and they just weren't great at keeping records? Maybe. It would be weird, like I said, Stockton opened up around 1850, so it would be weird that he had gone to like a different asylum because that means he would have wandered away from this city and come back, which is possible, but he doesn't seem to have done that so far. But anyway, so we don't know where this other asylum is, and we also don't know why people thought he was mentally unwell when he killed William, so it's possible that this visit at Stockton is his third stay at Stockton, or at least his third stay at at an asylum, at some kind of mental health facility. And his second stay in 1856 would have been after William's death, but before the alleged assault on Officer Ochenbach. And this report in 1859 reports that Reyes has partial dementia. So maybe that judge was wrong when he said that Reyes was playing possum. Maybe Reyes really was showing signs of being mentally unwell earlier. And then it should be good that he's getting help at Stockton instead of just being imprisoned. Oh, wait, this is the mid-1800s. Dementia doesn't just disappear. Yet one month later, he's discharged from Stockton. For the next five years, well, we don't really know much about his whereabouts and activities, but I still think he stays around the Pacific Northwest San Francisco area because on January 30th, 1865, a judge commits him to Stockton again. And he starts his stay on February 7th. This was not, as far as we know, because of any violent crime. It just sounds like he was acting erratic or maybe destroyed property or something along those lines. Because this report from Stockton reads, The evidence of insanity is his conduct at this time. He has not been discovered to be homicidal, suicidal, or incendiary. This is the first attack so far as known, first appearing two weeks since. Disease increasing with no rational intervals, has hallucination, is very much concerned mentally about religion, is not disposed to injure others so far as known, is dangerous from a disposition to destroy everything within reach, 
he is a zealous Catholic, has been intemperate in the use of ardent spirits, has not suffered from disease or injury, no change in physical health since the attack, cause unknown, class dementia, no treatment, admitted February 7th, 1865, has no property, died September 24th, 1865. This report seems contradictory. You have officers saying he has murdered before, but the report saying he's not homicidal, he's not prone to injuring others. You have the report saying he has no disease, but they indicate he has dementia, which is a pretty unspecific term, but it means he was suffering from something. They also can't seem to pin down any reason for his conduct, but it is interesting that they say has been intemperate in the use of ardent spirits. I think that means he was drinking a lot of alcohol. So is it possible that that was triggering some of these attacks that they were noticing? Could he have been an alcoholic just speaking a language that they didn't understand so they thought it was something else? And the no treatment. Man, no treatment? All of this and no treatment. And he died seven months after being admitted. When Manuel Reyes died in Stockton, he was in his early 30s. In fact, when he accidentally killed William, Manuel was only 21 years old. Practically a kid himself. I wish we knew more about William's life, not just his death. His death was bizarre and tragic, and so was Manuel's. Manuel was clearly suffering from a mental illness, but the system kept spitting him back out onto the street. While one boy turned to soap in his grave, a young man turned to dust in an asylum. And whatever these two were looking for when they came to San Francisco, I don't think they found it there. Thank you for listening to 31. Special thanks to my main sources this week, newspapers.com, findagrave.com, and University of California Riverside Center for Biographical Studies and Research. I'll put some of these newspaper clippings up on Instagram, at 31pod31, and I'll bring you another creepy tale from our world tomorrow. Keep curious!